So this is going to be a heavy uh, audience participation day. <laughs> so what did you feel when you watched that? What, what stirred inside of you? Just a few responses here. Yeah. Yeah. What about it? Just how massive it is. How massive it is. Okay. What else? Yeah, Rob. I was just like compelled by the beauty of all of those. And then it was interesting once people came into it, it was like I just was like experiencing the beauty like that God had given me to experience with them. Mm. Yeah. Just talking about the transition from just admiring the beauty to, to then experiencing it through the humanity that came into the, the scene. Yeah, what else? Yeah, read. A sense of what now? An awe. Yeah, just the diversity of everything he created in terms of landforms, but also humanity, right? Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess I'd kind of sum that up maybe just in kind of how our, our perspectives in life, our circumstances play out into how we view and, and experience all of that creation. Is that a fair summation roughly? Or, yeah, right? Um, so we see the world, each of us, through particular lenses of our life experience and, and things like that. So certainly in those images, you see the grandeur of God right? His intricate detail and imagination is on full display from the telescope to what we can only see, like right through the telescope to what we see with binoculars on here at the ground level to the microscope, the things that we can only see through, through an amplified lens, right? We see the glory of God in his infinite expanse and the glory of God in his infinite minutia as well. And our sermon series for the next four weeks is going to be focused on God's glory, and it's going to be titled with unveiled faces. So glory is a hard word to define. Um, I could, I could if, you know, if you said, hey, define football, I could, I could really hone in on that, right? I could tell you about plays and the rules and the positions and how everything works, and I could give you a pretty good understanding of football just by talking but glory is a little bit harder to wrap your arms around. It's kind of like trying to define beauty, right? That's something that needs to maybe be experienced or explored or felt. I saw one definition this, this week. did a pretty fair job at defining glory. It's a pastor named David Parks. He said this, The glory of God is the sum total of all the characteristics of God. What you'd get if you add up all of his love, justice, holiness, power, and wisdom. The sum total of all the characteristics of God. I, I like that. But let's see what the Psalms have to say about glory. They have a lot to say. I want us to open our Bibles to Psalm 19 this morning. It's uh, page 783. 
We're going to be bouncing around a little bit, so if you could keep your finger on this spot here. So about this psalm, the famous writer C.S. Lewis said this. He said, it is the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. (laughs) That's a pretty strong statement, so that should get our attention here. This is a psalm about revelation, about revealing God's, the nature of God. So, and it begins with creation. Let's look at verses one through six. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. So it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. The psalmist is saying, do you want to know about God? Just look around. He's there in the rising and setting sun. He's there in the breaking waves. He's there in the roaring waterfalls, the resounding thunder, the clap of lightning. He's even in St. Joe once in a while. If you drove down to Ashland or the parkway this week when the snow was on the trees, I mean, it was glorious. He's there in the blooming flowers and the strong and broadening trees, the powerful lion and the gentle lamb, each unique call of each colorful, colorful, <laughs> colorful bird. And even in the mosquitoes, I guess. Beauty matters to him. Nature reminds us of that. For in it, we see his creativity, his majesty, his grandeur, his immenseness, his intimacy, his uniqueness, all of it matters to him. Glory. Maybe above everything else, exactness matters to him, right? The earth, the exact distance from the sun to sustain life, the the earth tilted on its axis in a way that we experience seasons and change and the way that there's just the right combination of elements to sustain life to let us breathe and grow and live exact. (laughs) Pastor John Piper said it like this. He said, he shouts with clouds. He shouts with blue expanse. He shouts with gold on the horizon. He shouts with galaxies and stars. He is shouting, I am glorious. Open your eyes. It is like this only better if you know me. And verse 2 of Psalm 19 reminds us that he shouts day and night, right? He says, day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. What's glorious about the night? What's glorious about the night, would you say? It's quiet. It's quiet? Okay, that can be glorious, right? Silence is golden, right? Yeah, and sometimes in the silence, 
we hear, right, the crickets, <laughs> the, the little noises out there that we don't hear during the day, maybe. What else is glorious about the night? Yeah. The breeze. The breeze. Okay, yeah. Oh, way back there. Sorry, Daniel. The night sky. Yeah. What, what, what can we only see at night that we can't really see during the day? Stars, right? And so that gives us this perspective of, of distance, right? The, the overwhelmingness of the universe and how we're seeing light that was formed, you know, years and years ago is, is we're getting now to see with our own eyes. Anything else? I want you to turn, just kind of hold on 19, because we're going to come back to that, and, and I want you to flip over to Psalm 8 real quick. Okay? <clears throat> Starting in verse 1, Psalm 8 says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moons and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? <laughs> when you go to Young Life Camp, like I did as a kid, <laughs> um, they spend, you know, four or five nights walking you through the gospel, right? Telling you about Jesus and his unbelievable love for you, walking you through your, your need for him because of your sin and brokenness and, and the cross and what he sacrificed for you there, the power of the resurrection and what that means for your life, right? They, they lay all those details out in really compelling and interesting way. But at the end of that time, before you leave, the last night you're there, they send you out from that last meeting, they send you outside in the quiet, dark stillness to look at the sky for 15 minutes. And I remember as a 16-year-old being in Colorado and walking out of that room, and it was December 30th, so we were in the mountains, so it was cold, right? And I'm out there sitting on the edge of the pool, um, which was heated, right? And uh, I remember laying down and just looking up at the stars, like you're in Colorado, okay? So the stars are just unbelievable. And I remember just this overwhelming sense of like, <laughs> the God that made that knows me, loves me, wants me, right? And that's something you can only see at night. And it was powerful. Glory. Flip back over to Psalm 19. Verse 5, it talks about the sun. It says the sun is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, right? When, when, the, when the groom comes out of his chamber back then, then you'd go and you'd, you'd meet the bride. They're excited to see their bride on their wedding day. It says that the sun runs its course like a champion, champion rejoicing to run its course. Guys, you know, I'm a runner, I've coached runners. When you know you're good and like you're the best one in the race, you're pretty excited for that gun to go off, right? It's kind of a time to kind of show out, right? 
That's what the sun is like every day. There's an excitement. There's this thrill of glory of each day. And it's a miracle every time that that happens. Look what Paul writes in Romans 1.20. I have it up on the screen here. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. What's Paul saying? He's saying that all of this, <laughs> the sun and the moon and the stars and the trees and the people and, and the animals, and he's saying that all that is enough. They should all lead us to believe that there's a magnificent creator behind it all that deserves our praise, even if you don't have a Bible, even if you've never heard about the saving work of Jesus. The fact that you live and breathe and are surrounded by the beauty and the power that screams out and points to the divine creator of it all should be enough. But many of us still miss him. Right? Most of us missed him for years. We see all this unbelievable beauty and majesty around us every single day. And so often, even now, we just kind of shrug. It's kind of indifferent, distracted. We explain God's glorious and intentional creation away as some coincidence or some cosmic boom that happened. Just a big ball of chance. No rhyme or reason to it all. Certainly no creator to submit ourselves to. And there are consequences to that indifference. If you want to look at Romans 1, you can. I can just read it to you. But Paul goes on in the next four verses after verse 20. He says this. He says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. It would be like one of us creating this unbelievable holiday feast. You set the banquet table for this large crowd of guests. You're excited because your friends and family are going to be there to, to have good company and feast together. And you slave for days. And you are cooking like everybody's favorite dish. You're going above and beyond to, to decorate the place. And you want it to be um, as a visual masterpiece as much as it's going to be a culinary one. And you make this unbelievable, you know, playlist of songs to just add ambiance behind 
the interactions and everything is in its place. And then the day arrives and, and man, you are so excited for the guests to come through your door and, and you can't wait to see the, the looks on their faces when they experience everything that you've put in place so intentionally. And you open the door and they come in and nothing. They just walk right by you, sit down at the table, and without giving thanks, start eating. No mention of how great everything looks. No concept of how much work was put in to making every dish taste so good and, and just be made perfectly or considering how much time this all required. They just sit down and start shoveling the food in and they're just babbling on about their work projects or the upcoming election or the, the game or the TV show that they're streaming that afternoon. And this example seems extreme, but that's me every day. Overlooking God's intentional and wonderful provision for me. Over-the-top beauty that demands my attention and praise. But it's, it's all often just kind of brushed aside in the scurry of my day. Barely acknowledged. So God in his infinite patience with us says, okay, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't capture you with the, the telescope or the binoculars, so let's, let's bring it down to the microscope level. Maybe we need to go small. Let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 139, page 894. <clears throat> This is a very familiar psalm, also written by David. And here he takes us to the womb, starting in verse 13. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God's glory is on display from the earliest days of the embryo, right? A beating heart, fingers and toes, a cute little tongue, some eyelids. And up until a few decades ago, all babies' figures were hidden from every human eye. Right? Before the sonogram, God was the only one that saw those unformed bodies. The only one that caught a glimpse of each developing child that he was intricately doing his detailed and unique work on each one. Not only, you know, the physical things about them, but everything that makes us who we are, our personality, 
our gifts and talents and abilities. Every created child shouts glory. And if you've been lucky enough to to have or be in the room and watch a baby be born, you know that it's a miracle every time it happens. You'll never be closer to God than in those moments. Flip back over to, to Psalm 8. good question. I don't know. <laughs> Psalm 8, we're going to look at, at verse 2 again. How does God establish a stronghold against his enemies? It says, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Anyone want to take a, a stab at explaining that one? What do you think he's saying there? Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies. What do you think? Yeah, sorry, Linda. Yeah. I think the way that um, children experience all of life, they're just like in awe of all these things that we come to see as like mundane or mm. And so, like, the way that they experience it, experiences his earth, like, brings praise to him and, like, it allows us to be able to, like, see it through their eyes. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, man. She's basically saying that, you know, through the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, just the curiosity and the, 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 the wonder of children, right? The way they see the world. You know, they see things and they're just like, yeah, they're not used to it. <laughs> it hasn't become dull to them or ordinary. And so they see things, especially new things they've never seen, a new butterfly or new whatever, right? You take a little kid to the zoo. Like, if you're going to go to the zoo, take a kid, right? Because it's going to be 10 times more exciting than if I just stroll around there, right? And it reminds us, oh, yeah, God is amazing. <laughs> God is detailed. And, you know, it's like he didn't have to make all of this just for us to enjoy, like, the world didn't have to be this amazing. There didn't have to be 10 million different kinds of animals, right? There's a reason why he made it all like that. Yeah, what else about children? Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same vein when he says that God chose the foolish things to shame the wise, mm -hmm. weak things to shame those that are strong. Yeah. It's taking, like, a child is the epitome of weakness, mm -hmm. and, like, they don't have any strength really at all. Yeah. 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 So it talks about how God uses the foolish things to shame the wise and the weak things to, to counteract the strong, right? And so, you know, guys, what I was thinking about when I was working through this was 
the baptism that we had a couple weeks ago, right? And some of the little kids that got up on stage and shared from their heart what God had done in their life, the reason why they wanted to dedicate their lives to him, right? When that comes from the mouth of a seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old, you're just like, oh, man, that is so strong and so powerful. And it causes others to worship him as well. Creation declares the glory of God. That's our starting point for this sermon series. From the telescope to the microscope, God's creative power is on display. And I want to invite all of us to just kind of sit in that truth a little bit more this week. To pay attention. Creation declares the glory of God and what is our reply? Do we have eyes to see? Or do we drift through our days unaware and unappreciative of the glory that surrounds us? Kind of like that ignored host who made that wonderful banquet for you. So I want to ask us this question and just get some feedback here to give us some ideas. What, what could it look like to pay attention to his glory this week? So if that's your assignment for this week, and I really want you to think about that, what could it look like to pay attention to his glory this week? What are some examples, some ideas that might help us all be like, oh yeah, I could do that. How could we do that? The weather was nicer we could be outside, right? Yes, but even in the cold, right? Yeah, for one, maybe you just create some space to be outside. Um, yes. Yes, being present with people. I thought about that too. I thought about what if this week you um, went to get coffee with a friend or if you're an older parent and you took your, your child out, your teenager, your adult child, and you just sat across from them and just told them all the wonderful things about them, all the unique ways that they reflect God's glory and what makes them special. Or you write somebody a note with those things. Or what if when you were outside, you took the time to stop and think about taking a picture Right, because that takes some intentionality, some thought. You're you're really trying to capture the moment, trying to, to withhold, you know, capture the beauty of, of all that you're seeing with your eyes to take that in. What else could we do this week? Yeah. Yeah. Just being more intentional about that and actually like thinking through it instead of just scrolling your life away. Yeah. Just being intentional about your time. Maybe sit by the window. <laughs> uh, maybe during your time with God this week, um, go to YouTube and just type in, you know, the beauty of the earth, the wonder of creation, and just watch like we did some videos 
that just remind us, I, like I did when I was writing this week and, and I got tired of studying and I would take a break for 10 or 15 minutes, I started watching like documentaries on the universe <laughs> just to remind me like, y'all, this is crazy out there, right? <laughs> like we are a speck, a speck on a speck on a speck of like what all is out there in this universe. And hopefully we, we get some perspective, yeah. Meditating on God's grandeur and his magnitude then has that effect on our, ourselves and leads us to the posture of the, of the psalmist of like, what is man? So, like the, so having that perspective of, it, it's, not, it's not too hard for us to be overly impressed with ourselves, mm -hmm. but as we reflect on God's grandeur, we get a sense of like, I start to decrease a bit when it comes to reflecting on God's goodness. Mm -hmm. So like, Having that opportunity to having that reflective thought, like, what is what is man? Like, how much power do I have? And you can really experience that if I just went out there with a, sh a shirt and uh, t-shirt and shorts. Of like, I'd be I'd be really um, aware of my limitations and my yes. ability to to come through. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, that's great. Thank you, guys. Hmm. I want you guys to turn over to Psalm 29, and we're going to wrap things up here this morning. Psalm 29, we're going to start in verse 3. This is again by David. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks to pieces, in pieces, the cedars of Lebanon. Look down at verse 7. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. I want you guys to say verse 9 with me out loud. You ready? The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, glory. Glory with an exclamation point. So we're going to say that last line again. Okay? Here we go. And in his temple, all cry, glory. God didn't stop revealing his glory through created things alone. On occasion, he peeled back the curtains of heaven and gave some very lucky people an opportunity to actually see and get a, a powerful glimpse of his glory and majesty. And so next week, we're going to take a look at a, a couple of people who had encounters <laughs> with the glorious God that shaped their lives as they beheld him and his majesty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this reminder today. As much as we love to 
go on vacation <laughs> and see the mountains or the ocean or whatever it is that reminds us of your bigness and your creative wonder. God, you're here too. You're here in the sky that we could choose to look at at night. You're here in the person we're sitting next to right now who you <laughs> saw and numbered and planned their days out before they were even born. You're here in each one of us. The thoughts and the abilities and the personalities and the uniqueness of me. And God, I pray that you would help us this week maybe to slow down and to take some time and allow ourselves to be reminded of how awesome you are and what a gift it is to have life and to breathe. And when we understand what a gift it is, then we also understand that, God, you gave us those things to give back to you. So with my breath, with my life, with my mind, my ability to think, my, my inner desire to worship something, that it all comes back on you. God, I pray that you would remind us of glory this week. In Jesus' name, amen.